Well, welcome to Lake and Bethel. My name is Sherwin, and uh, I'm the pastor here. Just want to remind our video audience too. We're having kind of a welcome back Sunday on October one. We're going to have pulled pork and brisket that I'm going to be cooking. So come at your own risk, but just come anyway because it'll be good food and and. Uh, make plans to do that. We'll be serving the food between the services and after on October 1. It'll be a good time to reconnect with the church. So today we are going to talk about being bipolar. And uh, the last few months, one of the advantages of the videos is that I have an audience that's much wider. I have people watching from New York State, people from Washington State, and a few from California, different places like that. And I started doing online coaching with some of these folks because I've been trained to do that. And I find all these unique problems. Now I can talk about this case of being bipolar today as long as I don't mention the fellow's name and I'm not gonna do that. But being bipolar is quite a struggle. I've got this little handy chart here that's a little hard to read on the screen, but. Basically, it says bipolar disorder can cause your mood to swing from an extreme high to an extreme low. Manic symptoms can include increased energy, excitement, impulsive behavior, and agitation. Depressive symptoms can include lack of energy, feeling worthless, low self-esteem, and suicidal thoughts. So this bipolar thing is really serious. You know, when I was growing up, if you had those symptoms that are described here, you basically found a large boot on your backside. Say, come on, get over it. What's wrong with you? But it's more complicated than that. Now, I said I've been interviewing this person, uh, trying to help out for probably six weeks or so. And it is a nasty, nasty affliction. And this particular guy is also alcohol dependent. And he has, but he has a good sense of humor. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm nuts and I'm a drunk. So how am I gonna get past that? But this person sees it as a weakness, this bipolar thing, as something that he's never gonna be cured from. He's just gonna have to learn how to cope with it. And I don't know how accurate that is and I'm not a psychologist or anything, so I, I can't add to that. But that's what he feels is going on. You know, it seems like all of us have some sort of affliction, something that's a pain in the neck for us. Maybe it's a literal pain in the neck. But it's usually kept fairly secret. It seems that someone has something. Why do we have to deal with these things? Why do I have to deal with IBS? You know, it's a miserable thing to have to deal with. When I was younger, I had an awful time managing anger. But now that I'm an old man, of course I've got everything under control. And if you believe that, I also own some oceanfront property in central Iowa that I'd like to sell you. So give me a call, I'll give you a great deal on it. Now these, these things that we have can derail us and make you less productive, less effective. So what do you do about these, these handicaps, these diseases that we have? Well, Paul talks about dealing with persistent afflictions 
in 2 Corinthians 12. I think it's one of the most important passages in all of the Bible. Now, Paul had some sort of affliction. He doesn't want to name it. We can only guess what it was. Now, this fellow that I showed you the photo of last week, Dr. Horner from ORU, he had some interesting theories on that, as well as some other professors I've had uh, since then. But one of the things that one of the professors says, he's talking about a thorn in the flesh, it's obviously his ex-wife. Now, the reason for that is that Paul was a Pharisee. And Pharisees, to be of any rank at all, you had to have a wife and a son. That was a requirement for that office. So Paul would have likely had that. And the theory is that his wife left him when he converted to Christianity. She didn't want anything to do with that, so she was gone. That's one theory. Another theory that's gained some traction in recent years is that Paul was bipolar that he had extreme highs, extreme lows, all that stuff. We don't know. But here's how he talks of it, and I'm using the message today because I really like the way they worded most of it. He says, you forced me to talk this way, and I do it against my better judgment. But now that we're at it, I may as well bring up the matter of visions and revelations that God gave me. For instance, I know a man who 14 years ago was seized by Christ and swept in ecstasy to the heights of heaven. Now here's Paul, and he's, he's, it's like they're questioning him, so he has to recite his credentials, kind of like I do, and I like to remind people I have a master's and a doctorate, especially when I'm losing an argument. That's the most best time to do it. So, yeah, I'd say uh, somebody will say, well, the Bible says, oh, excuse me, uh, which one of us has the doctorate? And then they you know, back off sometimes. That's what Paul's doing here. He's, he's talking about that. Now, Paul was special, and God had given him special revelation. He had visions and revelations. And here, I can't figure out why he did this, but he says he knows this guy who uh, had this happen to him. But he's really talking about himself. Now, I know that when Paul wrote 2 Corinthians, he actually had a secretary who wrote it uh, at his dictation, he had no idea that we'd be talking about it 2,000 years later. He had no idea that American fundamentalists would look at his letter and say, that's the very word of God. He couldn't have possibly known that. And, well, he did some things in this passage that I kind of I want to argue with him about someday. But he says he was swept in ecstasy to the heights of heaven. So he saw heaven, but he's not going to describe it, unlike what John did in the book of Revelation. So it goes on with this, and, and you know, Paul's kind of playing mind games with us here. He says, I really don't know if this took place in the body or out of it. Only God knows. I know that this man was hijacked into paradise. That'd be a good name for a novel, wouldn't it? Again, whether in or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. There he heard the unspeakable spoken, but was forbidden to tell what he heard. 
So he's trying to make us guess whether he had an out-of-body experience or not. Says it's for, he was forbidden to tell what he heard there. Well, that's interesting. Why bring it up then? That's kind of like, I've got a secret and I'm not going to tell you. You know, I hate it when people play those kind of games with me. I know something you don't know. To me, that's offensive. It's gamey. He goes on with this. This is the man I want to talk about, but about myself, I'm not saying another word apart from the humiliations. And again, come on, Paul. That's a little gamey because the man that he's talking about is himself. And it becomes clear in the next paragraph. He, he says here, I'm not going to say another word apart from my humiliations. And, you know, someone talks that way around me and I know them pretty well. Well, I'm just not going to talk about anything except how I suffered. Well, wah, wah, call the ambulance. You know, what's, what's going on here, Paul? But he was apparently rattled when he wrote this. It goes on. If I had a mind to brag a little, I could probably do it without looking ridiculous. And I'd be speaking plain truth all the way. But I'll spare you. I don't want anyone imagining me as anything other than the fool you'd encounter if you saw me on the street or heard me talk. So here he gets more genuine. He says he's not going to brag. He knows that people see him as a fool. It's a good strategy. You know, that people become disarmed psychologically when you say those sorts of things. When, when I go to General Synod and around a couple hundred other pastors, they're all really competitive and have all these braggy stories. And they'll say to me, well, how's your church doing? I go, oh, terrible. Place falling apart. Nothing good's happening. And all of a sudden, they're relaxed. And you can get more done that way. I think things are going pretty good, but, you know, I don't want to say that in a crowd. I can get more done, just like Paul realized, if you explain that you're a fool. So he goes on, says this. Because of the extravagance of, these, of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he, in fact, did was push me to my knees. Look at that, folks. Gift of a handicap. I don't know how many of us look at them that way. I think the only time I've ever thought a handicap was a good thing is when I attempt to play golf. You know, other than that, don't really want a handicap. And uh, I haven't played golf in over 10 years, and I don't want to. But it seems that Paul had some sort of physical ailment that could not be hidden. But he talked about it from time to time. Now, there's certain physical descriptions of Paul that are available to us. Certain people that knew him back then wrote down what he looked like, and the, the thorn in the flesh, the handicap, is not mentioned by any of them. We've had an artist do a composite of what, those descriptions from three church leaders who talked about him, and that's what... We figure he must have looked like he was short, 
even for that day. He was under five feet tall. He was bow-legged. He had very hairy arms and legs, and he stuttered. That's what we know about Paul from other sources. And uh, he goes on talking about his situation here. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Well, isn't that interesting? God just said no to Paul. I think that's pretty incredible. He said, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Wow. See, so here's Paul as this major player in Christianity. Probably is the only person in the history of Christianity that was more influential was Jesus himself. And Paul has this affliction. He begs God to remove it. No doubt he talked about the power of prayer. And God says, no. God spoke to this guy, gave him special revelations. He was God's special instrument in this particular time in history. And God said, no. My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength shows through your weakness. In other words, you can push through this with me. And then he goes on, he concludes this passage like this. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. So the weaker I get, the stronger I become. What he's talking about here is change focus. Instead of looking at the unpleasant, instead of looking at his handicap, he looked at the blessings that he did have. He took his limitations in stride, and he's got a list of good grief there. Look at that. Abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. He says, I let Christ take over. That's the key teaching. Let Christ take over. And the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Uh, we've all had situations we thought were impossible and probably are. What I've learned from this is to appreciate my own weaknesses. How do you appreciate your weaknesses? You let Christ take over. In my discussions with this bipolar guy, it is serious stuff. But he's told me some interesting things. He says, you know, when I admit it, it's like it's only half as bad. When I tell people I've actually got this, it's okay. Most people are very accepting. And he says, when I turn it over to Christ, it doesn't go away. But I can somehow deal with it. He says he's had to learn to accept help from humans and from God. And he's found people who will walk with him in the depths of despair. He's been listening to Laketon Bethel for some time now, and he's talked about this, my whole thing about reporting for duty. 
And he said, you know, when I'm laying in my bed and I can't get up because I'm so depressed, I report for duty. He said, I'm still depressed, but somehow it makes things better. It makes actually a huge difference. And he says, sometimes I can actually get out of bed. Now, I have no idea what that's like. I mean, there's times I can't get out of bed just because I'm tired. But I don't know what, what that's like to be that depressed. And I'm not saying this is a cure for it by any means. But he says that when he reports for duty, it changes things in his life. And I've seen that happen with many other things. You know, I, said, I always compare myself, well, I get IBS attacks, and that's miserable. Especially when you're driving down the freeway in Utah. And when I report for duty, even with that, things get better. You know, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do today? And I think he's telling me to stop eating vegetables, <laughs> stay away from pizza. But, you know, the thing is, Paul's right. We can get through this. We can't push through it because God's grace is sufficient. If anger is your particular thorn in the flesh, you can realize that you can let that go too. Turn it over to God. See what happens. His strength will push through your weakness. To me, this, this passage of 2 Corinthians 12 is one that I, I want to share with everybody because it's so important. Especially in light of the Pop theology that's all around. It says, oh, if you have faith, everything will be wonderful for you. Paul was the most influential person after Jesus, yet he had a serious handicap. And he was God's special agent. To Paul, on his knees, begging to have this thing removed, and God says, no. Paul, who has prayed over people who were cured of serious deformities. Paul, who people wanted to touch him with their handkerchiefs because they believed his healing power would be transferred. Paul, this guy who's worked all these miracles himself, has this handicap of some sort. And God says, no. You're keeping it. Well, that says a lot to me. I think it says a lot to all of us. You know, it makes things so much better for me that Paul can say this. You know, that means God's grace is sufficient for me too. Even though I'm not the best pastor in the world, I'm not the best dad, I'm not the best husband, and I'm not in the best physical condition. I'm certainly not the smartest. And you all can identify with a lot of this. To this, God says, my grace is enough. It's all you need. That's one of the best things I've ever heard. So let's believe this good news and live in peace. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we don't know why you run the universe the way you do. But we want to know that we're placing our trust in you anyway.
and when you've given us these handicaps and don't take them away, we still want to trust you. So show us what you need to show us, direct us the way you need to direct us, and let your vision become a part of our lives, your vision for us. Amen. I'm going to say goodbye to the uh, video audience. As always, thanks for watching.